Today on the topic show, Bud Light sales figures are in and they are still terrible. Big Brown Swami versus Mark Cuban on School Choice gets 30.2 million views in two days. Big Brown Swami three minute rebuttal video for World Economic Forum, George Foros and Mask Policies. Aston Kutcher and Miley Kunis are canceled for standing with Danny Masterson. National Review claims a poll that shows Nikki Haley is the only candidate that can beat Biden. Jimmy Fallon is canceled by his own staff. Bud Light is protested by David Wells. Bud Light More Games NFL tweet gets only three real responses and only two of the three are negative. Twinkies are sold. BMW is building a new plant for $750 million in the UK for EV batteries. McDonald's is killing the self-service checkout. Disney and Charter reach an agreement to end their blackout. And Cash Up and Square have an outage. All of that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value add reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, for the whole month of September, we're giving away a free flamethrower with every September purchase. Click the website for additional details. Additionally, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September, so you click that button. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going on over to the business part of the podcast, you have Twinkies. They are sold yet again. Now, this time going to J.M. Smucker, also known as Smuckers, for a $5.6 billion sale price, which I would have never thought those silly little Twinkies are worth $5.6 billion, though... They are one of the few things that actually withstand a nuclear attack, so to say. So perhaps that's why they're increasing in value. But in all seriousness, it's the parent company behind Twinkies, which fewer people know. I'd say Hostess, which they make Ho-Hos as well as Ding Dongs, which of all the things that have been canceled throughout society, I'm surprised that hasn't been, the names haven't been changed just because they're obviously hilarious. And according to Urban Dictionary, we refer to other things as well. They also make Zingers, which... I thought that was a pejorative, like a zing, like a gotcha. But nevertheless, they make many products, including those. Now, it looks like Smuckers beat out both PepsiCo, Mondelez, which makes Oreo famously, and General Mills in order to get this sale. Now, Hostess, astonishingly enough, they're kind of like General Motors. They've been around forever. And at one point, they had the peak and the lion's share of the market. But they've gone bankrupt multiple times, just like General Motors. Now, it looks like... Hostess actually introduced the Twinkie back in the 1930s. Now, the first time they went bankrupt was in 2004, which at the time they blamed primarily on interest, just kind of waning with the, you know, people just weren't eating enough Twinkies and low-carb diets, which were trending at the time. Now, they emerged from that via private equity, but then again, they had to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2012. At that time, they specifically noted the high price of labor and the ongoing disputes and the union contracts, which, yet again, another example of unions destroying a company. Ironically enough, with the whole UAW, and I'm starting to cover that more and more with upcoming negotiations with General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, everyone keeps saying, oh yeah, labor isn't the, one of the main reasons companies are bankrupt. What? Watch one documentary on business ever. It's always a contributing factor, sometimes more often than not. Nevertheless, back to Twinkies, they actually went... So they, they rose from the grave, or what would, it, what, what would you bury a Twinkie in? They rose from the trash bin, 
There's some joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. Again, in 2016, this time actually went public. So they sold stock. So you could have bought stock in the Twinkie brand. And interestingly enough, their sales nearly doubled. Perhaps Americans just stopped caring about health nutrition at all. Hard to say why it increased exponentially in sales. And their stock actually went doubled as well. So I apologize, it wasn't the sales that doubled as the stock, which is still is financially impressive. And Smucker saw the opportunity, they ended up purchasing the company for $5.6 billion. And Smucker's obviously they're known for the jelly, but more importantly, they're known for GF peanut butter and Folgers, the coffee. So this adds to their portfolio, and it's fascinating. If you ever want to take a stroll down the grocery store aisle, just do a quick Google and see how many companies actually own the myriad of products you're walking by. Fun fact, if you go down the salty snack aisle, it's about 63% all manufactured by PepsiCo because they own Frito-Lay. Fun fact of the day, if you ever at uh, trivia or ever need a fun fact, we could usually count on this show. Other interesting business news, you have BMW spending about $750 million in the United Kingdom to make a battery plant for the Mini Cooper. And I, I gave, it's hard to even say that with a straight face. It, it, it's almost like I'm died again inside. All these, all these cars that should really only come with three pedals, also known as a manual transmission, they're all acquiescing to EV powertrains, which again, there's a time and praise for every technology. I gave Mercedes some crap because their new premium AMG comes with an inline four engine, which is pathetic for Mercedes AMG. There's nothing wrong with an inline four. I love my Honda Civic SI with the stick shift. It has an inline four, four cylinder engine, also known as, but it's a time and place. And to have the Mini Cooper, which used to be one of the best known stick shift vehicles, they actually brought back the stick shift and their racing program because oddly enough, millennials increased the purchase of that vehicle a couple years back in such great numbers. Kind of going against the theme that a lot of people are blaming millennials for the demise of the stick shift. I blame government intervention as well as the overall American consumers choosing SUVs more often. Myriad of reasons. Now, interestingly enough, they have they want the EV, they want the Mini to be EV fully by 2030. So get them while you can, because of course they also killed the stick shift recently as well. So I believe February 2024 will be the last time they will have a stick shift Mini Cooper rolling off the assembly line, which those days should never end. And BMW actually saved the Mini Cooper. Another fun story for another time. Now, it looks like this plant will only make electric models and batteries and all those types of vehicles. This is according to BMW chief Milan Nedrovic, which actually I pronounced more Russian than German, so butchered myself right there. Now, it looks like the British Prime Minister Kimi Badenstein said, quote, we want the auto manufacturing not just to stay in the UK, but to be the best in the world. And this is part of that story, unquote. And I laugh just because I don't think they'll ever be the best. It's kind of how you define the best. If you want a hand-built V12 with a stick shift, Aston Martin is a beautiful piece of craftsmanship. It's Some would say it's almost equally art and automotive coming together. But they're never going to be the automotive icon on the planet. I mean, Japan, hands down, you have Toyota, Honda. I mean... Those companies are doing really exponentially better in terms of not just you know volume of sales but reliability. But the British Prime Minister claimed they want to be you know have a beacon. They want the they want the factories to stay there because they were worried they were going to ship them back to Germany because that's where BMW is famously headquartered, as well as Porsche and other companies that used to make fantastic vehicles with the three pedals. But I digress. It's reported that the U.S. or rather the U.K. gave about seventy-five million pounds as an incentive to BMW to keep the factory there, which Probably isn't too much in the grand scheme of things about how much their government takes in tax-wise. It is funny to see some people push back because in global economy, it's just kind of 
there's a relationship when it comes to government incentives and business incentives. It's one of the reasons Toyota chose Texas to be their new U.S. global he U.S. headquarters. Not just because Texas is the best state in the union with you know no income tax and great culture, but specifically the city of Plano gave them a ten or fifteen year abatement from property taxes where their new famous headquarters is built. They also brought thousands and thousands of jobs, and there are a lot of benefits to it that many people would say offset the short-term, well, depending on how you define short-term, loss in property tax. So it is a fantastically fascinating relationship that goes back since the dawn of time, some would argue. But this sad to see BMW continuing to move towards, because BMW, they make the Mini Cooper, they're moving more towards electrification, which they were used, they used to be known, and they still, I would say inauthentically, they use the tagline of the ultimate driving machine, which they still make the MQ. They make some with the stick shift for now. It'll be interesting to see how long they keep that up, but looks like another interesting development. They're going to be building more batteries and maybe it'll make them a good ROI out of Mini Cooper and people will enjoy the little mini EV. Time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have McDonald's killing the self-service soda machines at restaurants. Now, this is part of their long-term plan to address the ever exponentially decreasing profit margins on pretty much everything they do. McDonald's inherently from the get-go for many, I would say decades, they're not known for having a high profitable product. They're known by the volume business. So they make a little bit of profit per unit. So for every hamburger, every milkshake, well, I guess machines never work. So maybe that's not a big example. So for every bag of French fries that never decompose, hamburgers, sodas, they make a little bit of profit and they make up in volume. Very similar to Walmart, Sam's Club, what have you. Now, they originally actually used to really like this idea of putting the soda machines away from the cash register and have it be self-serve. And inherently they would give the, you know, free refill. And granted it's mostly carbonated water, you get a little bit of syrup in there, which kind of takes me back to my old concessions days when I used to actually connect the syrup, big boxes of syrup with the little connected to the soda machines. But things have gotten so tight these days, they actually, have found that eventually it will be more economically viable to have an go back to the model where you have an employee filling it up and you get one fill up per canister of soda. I suppose they have small, medium, large. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm thinking of Starbucks that has the, you know, can't pronounce, can't even think of the different sizing units. But with McDonald's, I'm, I'm guessing they'll eventually get to the point where they upsell you. So instead of having 99 cent soda, you can get unlimited refills for like three bucks. And they do the calculation saying, you know, what's the average number of refills people will go for, make sure they get a good ROI out of it. But this is a huge shift in McDonald's philosophy where for, and actually many businesses, they wanted this model where you have the customer do more work. We're similar to Walmart with a self-serve checkout, which still is a big value add in terms of, well, me, it's held a lot faster, but they save a lot of money doing that as well. And the amount they lose in theft or slit shrinkage, as they say in the retail, is negligible compared to the overall savings. Now, in this instance, when asked for comment, they said, quote, McDonald's will eventually remove self-service checkout drink stations in its restaurants, though you have nine years to get that done. So this is a very long-term project. I would suspect it's when they're building new stores, they're gonna remodel it, or rather it would be the new redesign with machine behind. And all these legacy stores, they'll slowly throughout the years, next refresh, they'll come up and they'll actually move the machines. You say this restaurants a lot, every couple of years they'll have a new facelift, they'll have a slightly shinier logo, a newer mascot, and they'll move around the store a little bit to give it a little nice ambiance so you feel a little bit fresher. 
So if I were to guess, they're probably waiting for that next cycle. And when asked for comment, this McDonald's CEO, Chris Kamperstein said, quote, our company operated margin performance for the first half of 2023 is in line with our expectations and remains hampered by continued cost pressures. And continued to say, quote, as we look at the remainder of the year, we expect macro headwinds will continue, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see all these companies that are traditionally value add as in, you know, lower price point as infl again, 40 year hyperinflation, thanks to the government. And it'll be interesting to see how much can they increase prices for the consumer says, well, shoot, now when I go to McDonald's, it's, you know, 20 bucks for a family meal. Where back in the day, it used to be, what, five bucks? I, someone, I, again, I'll shop there, I don't really know, in terms of the face-to-face -face interactions, but someone actually told me there's no longer a dollar menu. It's been replaced by, like, a, a multi-dollar menu, which, from a marketing perspective, sounds terrible. I would never recommend. But, again, it's the ever, the ever-growing threat of inflation, unfortunately, keeps hurting everyone. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know, would you... Does this change your perception of McDonald's or do you prefer to actually just have the employee do it for you to fill up the soda? Or you, do you think they'll fill it up with mostly ice? Which is not a conspiracy. Well, or is it? Time shall tell. Other interesting business years, you have Disney and Charter Communications reaching an agreement to end their blackout. Now, this will actually help restore the services to nearly 15 million subscribers for Charter Communications, which is not nothing. That's actually more than I thought they would have for Charter. Again, Charter, at least anecdotally from my my research, it looks like they're predominantly more of a TV company. You got cable, which is a thing for some folks, as well as they have telecom and internet. But I actually was surprised that Disney acquiesced to giving them these packages. So it looks like Disney will provide them with the advertiser-supported offering, Disney Plus, to select Charter television packages. They also provide ESPN Plus will be included for premium subscriptions and ESPN's for upcoming direct-to-consumer service. Which, again, I was kind of surprised because again, Disney's gonna be make, they'll make less money through that. Where traditionally when you have companies like Nike increasing their direct-to-consumer sales model, where for many years Nike, you know, you could buy a Nike shoe at Foot Locker being one of their biggest partners strategically. And I believe they're even at Walmart and similar sporting goods store, that's called indirect. So you're not buying it from Nike, you're buying it from a reseller of Nike. Now, in this case, when it comes to the Charter Communications, you're buying internet from Charter, well, why not just go to Disney.com or whatever the website is called and buy it directly? Instead of, and Disney will make more money that way, instead they're saying we're gonna bundle it. So Disney's gonna make less money. I would, you could argue it's more convenient for the consumer because a lot of people have subscription fatigue. They got you know, 20 subscriptions for crap they don't need. And this, in this case, if they're already buying Charter, presumably it would still be one bill. But I was actually kind of shocked that Disney chose that. And again, maybe they just see it as easy sales. Disney is struggling, don't get me wrong. They are still trying to get an ROI at Disney Plus and with enough time and if they, I doubt they'll actually get less political, but I think it conceivably will become profitable in the next 24 months if they can keep decreasing the cost. That's their biggest issue right now is they spend, what is it, $700,000 to make a stupid Marvel film? which again, is just a copy-paste, you know, CGI rigmarole with no one actually dying and no real character progression. But people apparently like it and it's worth billions of dollars. Although not really, because they're starting to lose money on that. So Disney will have to keep cutting their costs and maybe they'll get it. And apparently, I mean, good for the consumers, it came just hours before the premiere of Monday Night Sports Balls. So earlier this week, it happened right at the final hour and they, everyone was able to tune in and watch those very important things with the sports balls being thrown 
and the teams winning and losing. Because in America, we like to actually have real games. I, was, I still can't believe people accept a tie in soccer. Like, how, how unappealing is that? A tie? No, 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 no. There has to be a winner. A tie is unrealistic. It's what children do. But I partially digress. Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light, more games, NFL tweet, and the only real response is, well, I should say 66.66% of the responses, also known as two out of three, are negative. Now, the actual tweet from the Bud Light team, which again, I can't, I can't imagine a more challenging job if you're the Bud Light social media manager right now because... It's kind of like digging your way out of a hole that, or trying to run a marathon after you shot yourself in, not one foot, you shot yourself in both feet with a 45. In America, that's the big dog. Or no, let's make it a 50 caliber, a desert eagle, a, a deagle as the youth might call it. They shot themselves with a deagle in both feet and they're going to try to run a marathon. That's what the social media manager has to do right now. Uh, is that possible? For David Goggins, Probably. For a couple people, sure, but overwhelmingly, no, no it's, it's not going to end well. Now, they tweeted, quote, More games means more TDs and more chances at beer money. Reply, at easy to celebrate and at sweepstakes to turn every touchdown into a chance to win, unquote. It sounds like gambling, well, I was about to say for kids, but I guess you're supposed to be 21 to drink Bud Light unless you're their brand ambassador and you hire Dylan Mulvaney, whose average audience was about 15 years old on TikTok. Again, not a prudent business decision. Now, that tweet got 73.4 thousand views and 781 likes, which just goes to show you can certainly cheat the system. That's a 1.06% like ratio, which I'm pretty sure is the best that they've done thus far, in, at least since April 1st, which again, hilariously ironic, they chose to endorse Dylan Mulvaney on April 1st, because a lot some people thought it was a joke, because again, Dylan Mulvaney's average audience was teenagers. Who, and again, they cannot buy beer in the United States. I know you might argue Bud Light is such a low alcohol content and it tastes like piss water or pond water that is barely considered beer, but technically and legally speaking, Bud Light is a beer. Albeit a pretty bad one, but it is technically beer. Now, I can't help but notice, I had to scroll for quite some time to actually find some real comments. And you had someone by the name of Izdan, and he said, quote, just saw a new Bud Light commercial it's too late, Bud Light. You can't fix your mess by using football commercials all of a sudden. Unquote. That person got 360 views and 23 likes, giving a ratio of 6.39%, which is exponentially good. Now, you also have somebody by the name of JD144, which I don't want to say marketing fail, but not the best, not the most memorial name, but nevertheless, this person got 288 likes, and, or rather views, and 14 likes. So not the most likes, but still 4.86% ratio. Pretty good. Now, you need to get one positive real tweet. And I had to dig for it, don't get me wrong. It was a couple pages down. But this person got by the name of Scuba Steve. Which gets a deep plus, because it's not a very original name, it's a very cliche. But it is memorable, nevertheless. Now, this person got a tweet, or the and they said, quote, Cheers to a new season, unquote. And apparently, it's a Colts fan. They had a little Colts Bud Light. That person got 144 views and three likes, which actually is not the not the worst percentage coming in at 2.08. Now I can't help but notice th there are hundreds of responses to that tweet, but.
but they're all sweepstakes. They're all people, which again, is a great, we talk about this throughout our life. You always say, you know, that person could be a, you talk about scenarios where someone could be a winner and a loser at the same time. This is perhaps the pinnacle prime example of being a winner and a loser at the same time. You win a case of Bud Light, but it's Bud Light. So is it really a prize worth winning? I, I suppose if you need a doorstop, it could be a, it is a heavy object or yeah, it would be a good doorstop. I guess that's not inconceivably a good use for it, but I can't imagine how sad your life would be where like, that's a highlight where like winning a case of Bud Light is a good thing. Like I just feel so sad for that individual. And I look at these profiles, it, it, it has to be a bot. The, the, uh, it has to be a program these people are using because when I go to the profiles of all these people who are, again, they're tweeting to all these sweepstakes, that's all they do on LinkedIn, or rather in this case, Twitter. Everything they do is just sweepstakes for different companies. There's one or two football fans in there, or sports balls, but overwhelmingly, it's just people who retweet every single sweepstakes and promo, which again, makes me think, how much does this really build loyalty with your audience when again, these people just want free crap for anyone. It's not just Bud Light, they're doing it for every company on the planet, so it seems. So I don't think this is gonna have the effect that Bud Light wants in terms of brand loyalty or gaining customers back. It seems to be just people who want free crap, which there will always be people who want free crap. I mean, that's there's the phenomenal as the freebie or you know the free sample. How many times that translates to real business depends on how the promo is framed, how the whole thing is about, but in this case, there's really no, I don't think they're gonna make any additional sales off this person. Like if they just win it, they're just gonna enjoy it. Oh, allegedly they'll enjoy it. I don't know how many people authentically enjoy drinking a Bud Light, but they perhaps will consume the product. Will that person then translate into becoming a loyal customer or buying more? I can't help but think probably not. I, I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, time shall tell. Other interesting culture news, you have Ashton Kutcher and Miley Kunis have an apology for standing by Danny Masterson, so to say. Now, Danny Masterson is, oh, I guess all three of them are famously known for being on that 70s show, which was not filmed in the 70s, interestingly enough. It was, it is perhaps best known for being one of maybe five good business decisions Fox News has ever made in terms of they pick a lot of shows to be produced. Most of them, they cancel after a season or they just crater exponentially into mediocrity. It's, and again, part of media is a, is a, is a little bit of a crapshoot or a gamble when it comes to media production. You're not gonna know all the variables, but I can't help but notice an overwhelming majority of the time, Fox makes the wrong business decisions, including recently firing Tucker Carlson, who was their top talent and is now getting 10 to 20 to 50 to 100 million views each episode he posts on Twitter, also known as X. Now, in this case, you have allegations against Danny Masterson dating back quite some years in regard to, and again, I know certain certain words are banned on the YouTube, which I didn't know until I started to get some feedback, unfortunately, negative feedback from the YouTube uh, authorities. So he took advantage of women, allegedly, I believe it was during the peak of his fame. Now, it looks like there were three separate women it looks like they're instance in 2001 2003 and as well and 
Uh, let's see here. Max facing, he's allegedly facing maximum of 30 years. Oh, yes, there was three women. It was in the early 2000s. Now, I don't believe, and again, I'm not pre we're not privy to all the details, but I don't know if there's any hard evidence in this instance. But the curveball through this instance was that they're all part of the culture and cult of Scientology. So it's one of those instances where it is concerning the way that organization is set up. They actually have their own court system. And I forgot, what was it, Rima? There's a famous gal from the King and Queens where she actually left Scientology and had a great interview on Joe Rogan to talk about the nuances and how scary that organization is. And they actually have their own court system. For these, so for these ladies to go outside the court of Scientology to go to the real courts in the real world, that I would say certainly says something because that goes against their whole culture. They would be ostracized from that group. They're kind of like the Amish, but more nerdy, I would say, and enormously fiscally successful owning land, more land than most people can comprehend. And now in terms of standing by Danny, you had Ashton Kusher and Mila Kunis. They came out and they actually sent letters to the court, which weren't supposed to come out public, but they were character references. So you see this in many court instances where they'll ask people who know the defendant and they'll ask, can you give a letter sign or giving your opinion of their authenticity, giving them a personal reference, not all too dissimilar from when you're asking someone to help you get a new job. And you say, Hey, can you give me a character reference? You've never, maybe they haven't worked with them, but you know them in a certain capacity. So it came out that they had these letters sent about Danny and they weren't saying in these letters that they knew he was hundred percent innocent. Again, they were talking about his character. And again, I know this is all that can go hand in hand with the situation and it is interesting to see it is they came out with an apology video and they were ratioed in seconds of course so you had ashton kusher and miley kunis who geez i don't know if he's hung over but he just looks scruffy and of course he made the dire mistake he's in an apology video wearing a, a white t-shirt come on you're from iowa suit up for every important occasion it always makes it look better of course and then you have Miley, who looks like, again, they're actors. How much do you really know of them? She looks like she's been crying, maybe. They all look pretty. So it's only about a minute long. So we'll we'll play this really quick. So this is their this is their apology that they wrote a character reference to someone who was their friend. And unfortunately, with the current court proceedings, it looks as or I would say it looks like the court found him guilty. So. Unfortunately, that means he's one of the most morally, mentally vacuous people in history, performing one of the worst acts that you could possibly imagine, taking advantage of these women. Um, I really hope it's not true, of course, because it's horrifying to see from a societal or cultural perspective. You see some of these allegations come out, and some people just hope that they're true because they want bad things to happen to the person who's being, to the defendant, just because they don't like them on a personal or political level. I would, with these types of charges, I would hope no one would ever want this to be true, because it if the allegations are true and if the court was right, that means again, he, he did her terrible, terrible, indefensible things. I don't know. It is sad that people wish that just so they can be quote unquote right about someone. But again, something that is a little disappointing from a cultural perspective these days. So without further ado, here's the good old Ashton Kutcher and Meg, also known as Miley Kunis. We are aware of the pain 
that has been caused by the character letters that we wrote on behalf of Danny Masterson. We support victims. We have done this historically through our work and will continue to do so in the future. A couple months ago, Danny's family reached out to us and they asked us to write character letters to represent the person that we knew for 25 years so that the judge could take that into full consideration relative to the sentencing. The letters were not written to question the legitimacy of the judicial system or the validity of the jury's ruling. They were intended for the judge to read um, and not to undermine the testimony of the victims or re-traumatize them in any way. We would never want to do that. And we're sorry if that has taken place. Our heart goes out to every single person who's ever been a victim of sexual assault, sexual abuse, or rape. Huh. Interesting. She looks... It is weird to see Meg from... Well, that's how many people know her nowadays is the voice actress from Family Guy portraying Meg. Now... It looks like in terms of the responses, again, this was posted all over on this particular site. It was a or YouTube channel, is page six, which presumably is a magazine or a book, I would think. Now, in terms of the top responses in that video, again, within two days, got 202,000 views and 636 likes. So definitely not a lot of people liking it. Now, one of the top results was Simple Fan 101. This person said, quote, they're actors and they couldn't even pretend they meant these words. I guess they needed a director for this sad excuse of an apology. Very pathetic. Now, that person got 610 likes, so almost as much as people who like the video in and of itself. You also have a gentleman by the name of Mark J. Jones say, quote, or in other words, we're sorry our support for a serial R word, and not the mentally handicapped one, the other one, uh, has been exposed to the public, unquote. That person got 752 likes, beating the video completely and ratioing it, as a youth might say. You also have somebody named as Marcos Danielson saying, quote, Let's be honest, they never thought their letters with their true feelings were ever going to be public, unquote. That person won the ratio of the day, getting 1.5 thousand likes. Quite a lot of negativity, and I scrolled for quite some time. Um... And I'm not seeing a lot of support for him, interestingly enough. Got another one saying, shame on them. I don't care about these disgusting, insincere apologies. Which. Another one says, I don't know why you support a creep. Public face differs from a private face. Another one says, quote, why doesn't she say our hearts go out to Danny's victims, unquote. Well. Again, if that's your friend... I would hope you would believe your friend and they don't believe the allegations. And again, if they were to say that out loud, I can't help but think they'd be even further ostracized from our society. But as well as instances where if you've been a friend with someone for 25 years, deep down in your heart, you really, I don't know if you could comprehend that they were a monster the whole time. It's just one of those instances where kind of between a rock and a hard place. I don't know if this is a really a positive response they could have had that wouldn't destroy themselves or Danny in the process. And again, I, I really hope the allegations aren't true, or in this case, the court has ruled. 
I don't know if they're, and again, when it comes to court proceedings, you could argue for years about overturning it or appealing the ruling. And again, I, I never hope these are true. But the end of the, with the current data they have or the judge had, it looks like justice has been served. It'll be interesting to see what goes on from here. But let me know in the comments. Do you think, I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, Danny always seemed weird the whole time. I mean, I've never met these people personally. I have no idea what they're like off, sc off screen or off camera. A lot of people are saying that the, the guy who played Eric Foreman was always the odd man out and maybe he was he kind of saw what was going on the whole time. There's a lot of speculation, but again, a lot of the issues with inherently these situations is there's not a lot, isn't always a lot of hard proof. In some cases, there's not, you know, video evidence, DNA evidence. And in some cases, it is difficult when it is a he, should see, he said, she said type of situation. From a legal perspective, that's a lot more hairy of a situation, some might say, as opposed to when you have hardcore uh, traditional, you know, video evidence, as I was previously just saying. But it'll be interesting. Let me know in the comments. Do you think Danny is truly guilty? Do you think they're going to try to get this overturned? Obviously, Danny's lawyers are going to argue that till they're blue, red in the face. But let me know in the comments. With all the data we have right now, currently, what are your thoughts on the ruling? It'll be interesting to see. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Other interesting cultural news. You have Jimmy Fallon culturally canceled by his own staff. Oh, golly. Who would have guessed it? Now, he's famously known as kind of the goofy talk show host, which, again, I think it's a late night host. I, again, I don't have cable TV and I really follow too many of those folks, to be honest, unless when I need to see some additional information and want to see what's their perspective on an issue, usually to show that they're wrong, but, you know, they were right perhaps one time, allegedly. Maybe I'll find that use case someday. He was also famous for hosting Trump when Trump was running for office. And I think, culturally speaking, that's why a lot of people start to scrutinize him more. Because again, everyone who gave Trump a platform, quote unquote, or even made him look like he wasn't the biggest monster in history, they've all been you know, socially ostracized by mainstream media. They've been in some cases prosecuted. So it'll be interesting to see, is that a variable? in why these things are bubbling to the surface all of a sudden. Now, apparently there's an article in Rolling Stone, which somehow still exists. Now, the story featured 16 former staffers that claimed he came to work and was sometimes inebriated. And he was accused of being under the influence of alcohol and exhibiting erratic behavior. And they also described the workplace sometimes as quote unquote glum. And it looks like two employees alleged that Fallon scolded a crew member who was holding cue cards during a taping of a show with Jerry Seinfeld, calling it quote unquote uncomfortable. Now, part of me can't help but think some of these people are just mentally weak in terms of every two days we hear about someone saying, oh man, work is too hard. A couple months ago, we saw an instance where there was a Starbucks employee crying because he had to make orders that were complicated and they were overwhelmed working an eight hour work shift, which is pathetic. You're overwhelmed by an eight-hour work shift? I work 105 hours a week. My grandpa worked in an aluminum foundry for nonstop. He had like Christmas off, Thanksgiving off. He did that for years. He never even complained once. Which there's something to be said about the silent man, which I hope comes back culturally speaking. But I can't help but see the United States is producing more and more weak people mentally as well as physically. But let's dive deeper or a little bit deeper to see if there's some, perhaps some merit behind this. Now, you had two of them saying, oh yeah, he screwed it. He, he scolded a crew member 
for handling the cue cards wrong. Now, when they asked Seinfeld for a comment, or Jerry, he said, quote, this is all so stupid. I teased Jimmy about a flub, and we all had a fun laugh and about how rarely Jimmy is thrown off. It was not uncomfortable at all. Jimmy and I occasionally recall it and laugh. Idiotic twist, uh, twisting of events, unquote. Again, that's from Jerry Seinfeld, one of the goats of stand-up. And I would also argue, you know, comedic writings as well, of course, with the iconic hit series Seinfeld. So it looks like he came to work. And again, obviously, coming to work inebriated, that's not appropriate, so I agree with that. Well, nah, mostly. It's one of those instances where, well, I guess in the United States, what role could you have where you could come to work buzzed or inebriated? I guess Saturday Night Live, but they're kind of known for their debauchery, so to say. But, again, it's interesting that... Let me know in the comments, do you think... And it's funny how, you know, these late-night hosts will spend years culturally canceling other people. Then it'll sometimes happen to themselves. Why do you think Jimmy's getting canceled all of a sudden? Is it just a coincidence that these employees are all upset? Is it part of a grand plan? Is there a conspiracy? I don't know. But it is interesting to see just more and more people complain in America about some things as simple as, oh yeah, he scolded me for holding the cue card wrong. It's like, really? I don't know. But that's just me. Other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light. The latest sales figures are in, and they are, of course, not good at all. Now, it looks like their sales figures by dollar amount are down at 23.9%, or rather 26.9%. Their volume sales is down 30%. Wow. This is both according to Bump Williams Consulting, and this is six months after their business blunder of the century of, again, hiring someone named Dill Mulvaney, who, again, had an average audience age of around 15 years old, who, again, cannot buy beer in the United States. I know that's probably, that's probably all too common in France. Well, they would probably actually just... Wine and cigarettes, presumably, are more popular over there. But it's one of those instances where... Yeah, probably wasn't wise to celebrate someone who, again, doesn't have the correct age demographic for your product. And also, in terms of the United States, it's a cultural debate and political debate with the transgender social movement. We have Dylan Mulvaney, who never had the surgery, who was born a biological man, and then had these videos, maybe we call them pejorative caricatures of women, saying this is day XYZ of being a woman. Famously prancing through the forest wearing high heels. Saying that was something women do. Which I did ask my mom and sister. And of course, yeah, women don't do that. Ever. Now, it looks like analysts are guessing more and more that these lost sales will never return. Obviously. And you have one or two moronic consultants saying, oh yeah, it, it might take until May of next year for the sales to rebound. Which, why? Why do they think? They, they don't explain why or a logic behind why they think their sales will go increase because again they're not they didn't address the issue that brought the controversy and partially because if they were to do that they would also alienate the lgbtq community and bud light has sponsored those types of parades for three decades so that's i mean people believe it or not that is a part of their sales demographic i don't know what percentage it is that'd be fascinating i'd love to see their actual internal data but Overall, I would say most of their previous customers and consumers were conservative-based, where based on politics and culturally speaking, more often than not, they do not believe in the transgender uh, philosophies. And as well as instances where, why would their sales increase? Right now, all they're doing is spending money on advertising poorly, and they're giving away free beer, which again, 
there are some people who will do anything for free crap in terms of free beer. Yeah, I'll sign up for a sweepstakes. I'll, I'll retweet your sweepstakes handle. But is that going to translate into a sale of a product? I would argue overwhelmingly not because there really aren't, it's not really building loyalty. It's not very strategic. I think there's some ways they could make it more appealing or they could increase the virality if they were to force you to, as a contingency of winning the product, like take a picture with it or something, like something to show you're actually consuming it because presumably the people who win it will use it as a doorstop or target practice or what else could you use a Bud Light for? Uh, um, you're, you get 10 cents back actually for the aluminum cans if you're in Michigan. I believe down south in most states it's only 5 cents per can. Tough times, so to say. So there's some value added there to be sure. But I guess, yeah, those are the top three uses I would think. So I don't think those sales come back. And this is actually a couple weeks back after the CEO had the audacity to claim that they thought they were gaining customers back. Which again, I reported on earlier. The CEO noted a survey. And the survey was just a survey asking people, hey, would you buy Bud Light? And people said, yeah, sure. Which is one of those instances where who gives a damn what they say in terms of opinion? What matters is the sales data. And again, we talked about this on the show, the sales data on average week over week is about 27 to 30% decrease in sales dollars per week compared to the same fiscal week the previous year before you had this controversy. And even going down to the Q2 numbers, fiscally Q2 2023, they lost compared to the last year, $400 million in sales. And with the sports ball season kicking off, that delta, the difference between the sales last year and this year is just going to increase. Because traditionally, that's when people consume copious amounts of alcohol so they can enjoy the, the sports balls games. And they're not going to be buying Bud Light this year. Even if you put on a stupid NFL logo on the can, which I can't believe that maybe, maybe half a percent of people are dumb enough to actually see me like logo, me buy product. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't see that as a compelling sales methodology or marketing methodology. And that, again, that survey goes, oh yeah, we, we're winning back 15% of our customers according to the survey. So the CEO is like, oh yeah, it's good. No, 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 it, absolutely not. That's that's what people said in the survey. That was their opinion survey. But what's the sales figures showing? It's showing that you're doing terribly. And as a manager of I would say for your business, it is the outlook is not so good. But I partially digress. Other interesting cultural news you have Bud Light being protested by David Williams. Now, David Williams is a famous sports balls player, and he is 60 years old. He compiled a record 18-4 with 214.1 innings for the 1998 Yankees team. Kidding. I know it's Yankees because I watched the Seinfeld. Now, and he said that companies like Bud Light spent too much time involving themselves in politics and culture. Now, I do agree his right in regard to the politics. In terms of the culture, what Bud Light should have done, obviously he's never partnered with someone who's, again, Dylan Mulvaney's average age of um, someone who watches Dylan Mulvaney is about 15 years old. Makes no sense to give this person a beer. Instead, be part of the culture they previously were. Football games, country music festivals, college dorms. I'm trying to think where else you would be. Stadiums. Those are, in terms of culturally... Um, consuming copious amounts of alcohol, those would be the top places. And you would see the logos there. So I think it makes sense to be involved in the culture, but the issue is they got involved in politics. And not every time, but 
mm, I would say most of the time getting involved in politics results in a, I would say a net decrease in sales. Because even if you gain some sales on people on one side of the political aisle, you are alienated, I would argue you'd alienate a same or greater than percentage of people on the other side of the political aisle. Or in the case of Bud Light, they alienated everyone. Because again, they had this controversial spokesperson or brain ambassador, whatever you want to call it. They alienated people who are traditionally conservative, but then you also had people in the middle who they didn't want, they, they just want to have a beer. They don't want to have a conversation about politics. So you alienated, alienated them. And then in terms of alienating people politically on the left, you had Bud Light where they didn't, and again, this is a quote by a bar owner. They didn't quote unquote, stand by Dill Mulvaney. So when the controversy broke, they didn't come out and say, hey, this we are proud to be with this person have them to have them represent our product because they did not do that they thereby alienated the left as well as the lgbt community you had a bar owner in illinois where it's a holding company of many bars in illinois because they have many gay bars in chicago and they said they would they actually dropped all the hamster bush products specifically because the company didn't quote unquote stick with dylan so but light somehow through their business blunder of the century they offended everyone politically now, don't get me wrong, they still have 70% of their sales compared to the same fiscal period or time period last year. But still, losing 30% of their sales is a huge dent. And they didn't increase their sales one iota. So that case is actually the worst of both worlds. So I do agree with Mr. Wells in regard to you don't want to get involved in politics unless you're a political talk show or you make products specifically for a category that's overwhelmingly part of a political group so to say now D david hill continued to say when he was returning to the yankee stadium for their annual old timers day which apparently is a two and a two-time world series champion so he's got quite the credentials though can he drive a stick shift that's what i want to know but nevertheless he get he go down to say quote we're living in a different world and actually said that actually taped over the nike logo on his jersey which nike used to be less controversial, well, with the exception of Vietnamese assembly line and sweatshops, but you would argue that if you're making athletic gear, you want to sweat and you make it, you know it works. But nevertheless, Nike got involved in politics when they started to give away a bra to a biological man known as Dil Mulvaney, who wears women's clothes. And again, in terms of the transgender community, you talk with some of them, they actually, some of them disowned Dil because Dil never got the surgery or took the drugs. So even within that community, there's debate as well. So this is fascinating cultural phenomenon, but it's one of those instances where Nike was giving this brand apparel to this person and that became a political thing. Now you could also argue with the sales figures. I don't know if they increased their sales proportionally to the amount of sales they lost. I haven't looked into that too deep. Culturally speaking, there wasn't as much as a backlash. I think because fashion is already are traditionally a little bit more unusual so to say and also beer you see much more of a quick sales correlation people who consume beer usually buy it when they go to the grocery store once a week or every other week whereas clothing you buy once every six years i mean buy a suit once and it'll just last forever if you take care of it appropriately now he also goes on to say quote it when I mean, this is actually this is per the atlantic he says oh wow he actually cut the jersey out he says i hate nike they're quote-unquote woke. So if you're a sports balls fan, will this further fuel the Bud Light boycott? It's certainly not good for the brand. There are a lot of people who love athletes. 
There are people who worship the Yankees. They're one of the most successful teams of all time. Only slightly more successful than, you know, the Cubs. <laughs> That's a joke because the Cubs, like the city of Chicago, are traditionally not very successful. They'll be good next year, though, like the Bears. That, that, that's, that's what we're told. That'll be, that'll be good next year. I'm sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. You keep thinking, you keep telling me that. Let's just say I'm not putting any money on it. But we shall see. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy versus Mark Cuban going on the Twitter and getting 3.6 million views in two days. Now, this comes from a battle of the minds talking about the differences between public education and resource allocation. Now, you have Mr. Mark Cuban, famously the owner of the Davros Mavericks, which is the name of a famous sports balls team. And he says, let me see. So Vivek said originally, oh, let's see here. All right, we'll start with Mr. Cuban. He says, 80 billion will fund your UBI for school age parents program. Let's do the math on a per child basis. There are 75 million kids under 17 and 25 million zero to five years old. Do the parents of these children under five get anything? I presume not. So your 80 billion allocated across 80, 50 million kids, that's $1,600 per kid per, right, per year, right? Remember, or right, 800 per semester. How do you think that 1600 gets spent? But wait, there's more. Let's say parents are efficient buyers and schools go along with letting any child in. Do you think the best public schools will accept any child for $1,600, possibly overflowing their schools, requiring more local and tax money to be spent? Well, I'm guessing your biggest donors will have something to say about who goes to their kids' schools. My NIMBY DAR is strong in this one. The ruddy hell is that? NIMBY DAR? Let me know in the comments if you ever heard that before. So let's pretend that parents and schools figure out some equilibrium and there are some schools that will add children for 1600. Who's gonna pay for those bigger schools? Do you think $1,600 per child will cover the capital and ongoing expenses of the bill? How happy do you think taxpayers with no kids will be about that? But wait, there's more. At first glance, giving $1,600 to parents may sound great, but the reality is not every parent can take their kid to school across town. So now you have kids who can only go to the closest school with only $1,600 $1,600 per year to contribute, but those same schools may already have needed those funds that the Department of Education offered them. That money is gone, and now they're getting $1,600 per student. Think that covers what they lost? If not, what happens to the kids that go to those schools? Do your economic advisors believe that the long-term cost of American taxpayers for kids that go to underperforming schools increase or decrease state and federal deficits? Just for clarification, I think there, are, there is unlimited, unlimited room for improvement in in how we handle education in this country, I just think your approach is really dumb. P.S. I think I did this all in 30 minutes while watching the end of the Old Miss Tulane game. It's a great game. Presumably that's a sports balls game with Mavericks, which he owns famously. Now, when it comes to public school in the United States, spending more money does not always get you the best results. Look at LeBron James School, where they spent a bunch of money and the kids got dumber, which is heartbreaking because they're literally robbing the children of opportunities. You look at the kids, they passed a single math test in, I think it was four or eight years. They actually, the school progressed them, but they didn't get any smarter. And you have Detroit, the city of Detroit. They actually spend, I did a report on this, I mean, two or three years ago, they spent the most per student of any other uh, city or county in the United States. They spent the most. Didn't help. They still have some of the lowest scores in the whole country. Partially because there are many variables that go into it, 
I would also argue giving teachers unions more money than a ridiculously disproportionate amount of resources to the teachers unions, which just a lot of that goes to politicians, which in the, they in turn gave teachers unions big juicy contracts. I don't think that's a beneficial thing for the students. If anything, I think it's highway robbery, but another topic for another time. Now, Vivek responded saying at Mark Cuban, I'm glad you wrote this in 30 minutes while watching a game. It, it shows your reference to my biggest donor. It's me. Winky face. Our education system gets most of its work done at the local level and will do with the former federal funds is support parents to access better schools and teach children instead of serving the union clients. A novel idea, I know. Here's a high-level plan. I lay out the details in D.C. on Wednesday at 11 a.m. You're welcome to join. I think you'd learn a lot. I love confronting thoughtful critics, and I think you're better than someone who sloppily criticizes a plan he hasn't heard. And he has some graphics that show. So in terms of the, he's talking about the 80, I think it was 80 million or 80 billion, a lot of money. And some people in the comments were saying, you know, what's, that's not enough. And I think the inference was he would shut down the Department of Education as well as having the other 80 billion. So there'd be more than that total. Now, if they'd be finding a way to get rid of the teachers' unions, that would be phenomenal. Save a lot of money to the taxpayers. And interestingly enough, you get exponentially better child care and education, I would argue. If you ever are concerned about teachers in the United States, just go on TikTok and, dear God, they're, they're not teaching actual subjects that are appropriate for children, yet alone subjects that are applicable for life development or success. Not all times, but astonishingly, um, all too often, I would say. Now, in terms of the responses, again, this got, you know, three, so Vivek's response got 3.6 million views and 7,490 likes. So not the best ratio coming in at 0.21%. Now, some of the top responses were this one coming from the market bishop, which incidentally had nothing to do with being a bishop priest or bishop on the chessboard. I was a little disappointed with that. But nevertheless, the market bishop said, quote, 100%, 100%, 100%, unquote, which... I would think, does that mean 300% total? But I digress from the lack of perhaps logic there. That person got 32.7 thousand views and 18 likes. So not the best at 0.06% ratio, though still legally under the alcohol limit of 0.08. You also have somebody by the name of Jason Agria saying, quote, Mark Cuban should stay in his lane. He should jump into the race if he thinks he's got what it takes, unquote. That person got 10,100 views and 137 likes, which brings, that's pretty a big increase from 0.06 that's one percent like which instantly enough i'm actually surprised mark cuban hasn't gotten into politics yet he's voiced his political opinions throughout the years i think politically speaking he'd probably be either democrat or libertarian if you look at his statements throughout the years that's i think that's where he would politically align more often than not and he certainly has the resources to do it so it'll be interesting i wouldn't be surprised if in his lifetime but he also hustles he's a, obviously a hugely successful entrepreneur and he has his investment company. So there's only so many hours in the day. It'd be interesting if you'd be willing to walk away from the sport of business, which I would argue is unparalleled and all so fulfilling to go to politics, which is slow as molasses, inefficient, and more often than not, you really don't get much done. And instantly enough, I forget what Cuban's book is called. I think it's the big book of business. I'm looking at my shelf right now, trying to see 
But nevertheless, if you know any young or even old entrepreneurs or someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, it's a really fantastic book. It kind of shows you how simple it really is to start a business. Just need a little bit of paperwork and a little persistence and you'd be surprised what you can accomplish. You don't need a lot of money in many cases to start a business. So I highly recommend everyone should try at least once in their life. Now, nevertheless, getting back to the comments, you have Cool Hand Alias, which is a cool alias. I like that. This person says, quote, $1,600 is the cost of one game to see the Mavs as a family of four, unquote. That person got 51.6 thousand views and 306 likes, which pretty darn good, coming in at 0.59%. Now, interestingly enough, and brilliantly enough, Mark Cuban actually responded to that response. And he said, he actually quoted them like, this is the price for a ticket. Of, we have four different ticket options. A family before could see it for like this extra dollar amount. I think it was like under 50 bucks. So he is a salesman. I mean, he is persistent. I kind of like that about Mark Cuban. I don't agree with a lot of many of his political philosophies, but his entrepreneurial spirit and his unparalleled success in terms of being a business owner, I find pretty admirable. And of course, he is a, a Texan, which is the best state in the union. I also have somebody by the name of The Secret Man, although I was going to say perhaps the most unsecret thing you could do would be tweeting. But nevertheless, The Secret Man says, quote, Vivek, your response is indeed sharp on this point. Let's vote, quote, and this is a survey, quote, option one, Vivek is smart. Option two, Vivek is average. Option three, Vivek needs help. The votes came in and got a couple hundred votes coming in at 76.9% Vivek is smart. 3.9% Vivek is average. And 3% or a third place at the remaining percentage, that is Vivek needs help. So interestingly enough, Again, there's a lot of parallels between Vivek and Trump in terms of he's being very nice and not criticizing Trump, which I think politically speaking is prudent because lots of people suspect he's going to be going for VP. Now, it is interesting, kind of like Trump. I think there's a lot of people who love Trump. They hate Trump. I think there's only a single digit American percentages that kind of have a neutral response to Trump. Like, I think by now, a lot of people know most of his policies. They've seen his track record. Maybe some people are more concerned this time around that he's being politically persecuted. And I wonder how many people have a neutral perspective of Trump. Is it 2% of Americans? Maybe three? It seems like by now we have a lot of data about him, but it's just very similar to Vivek. It's like a lot of people think he's smart. Fair amount, like about 20 something percent thinks he's need help. And then 3.9% just think he's at, eh, eh, he's average. So that is kind of interesting. I don't know if that's not a fascinating parallel, but yeah, if you can give more power to the parents, school choice should be a, should always be the case. You should be able to choose to send your child wherever you want. And that way schools have to compete with each other. But teachers unions do not want competition because that's the antithesis of their whole ideal of getting paid more to do less and just get paid for tenure. But I partially digress. Let me know in the comments. Do you think this was a political win for Vivek? Or do you think it was kind of a miss? He didn't get a lot of likes this time, but still, he's getting a lot of views on social media. I can't help but think that's probably going to help long term with the polls. But, of course, we shall see. Time, as I always say, shall tell. Other interesting political news. You have Vivek Ramaswamy has a three-minute rebuttal video on World Economic Forum, George Soros, and mask policies. Now... In one day, it got 682,000 views and 13.6 thousand likes. 
So pretty good coming in at 1.99% ratio. So pretty darn impressive. And let me pull up that video right now. He's done a couple of these and historically, although it is kind of funny to talk historically when, you know, we're talking about months, not, you know, eons, you know, kind of interesting to see how we measure history throughout our timeline or references to the word history. But these rebuttal videos, I think, they're getting more and more popular, and I think they address some of the concerns that people in the middle have about Trump, or rather, in this case, Vivek. Trump should do these videos. He's got a lot of rebuttals to say, but I think there's a lot of people who appreciate this because kind of cliche to say, but sunlight is the best disinfectant, and when you're accused of something, you should come out venomously and defend it appropriately. So this is about a little bit under four minutes. Let me play it right now, and it's him just chilling in a car, although... Wearing a seatbelt really awkwardly. So instead of being across his chest, it's under his arm. Which, I don't know, makes it look like he's never worn a seatbelt before. Maybe he's nervous or he's in a rush. I, I don't know. I've been in a rush. I've never failed to properly put on a seatbelt. But that that's weird. It, it was a little disappointed. He made the failed mistake, I believe, of not suiting up, as every man should always do. He's wearing a polo, which... He's got a little pocket, but at least it's not the doesn't have the cliche little guy playing polo on the polo. But I partially digress. Let's dive in. We're surging in the polls. The knives are coming out. The opposition research machines are churning. And you know what? That's a good thing. Because I'm running to be your next president. I want to lead this country. And I better darn well be able to take some questions along the way. Stay skeptical. I would be too. Let me just address them transparently. Most popular questions we've gotten, in order. First, what is my relationship with the World Economic Forum? Answer, none, other than being probably their biggest critic here in the United States. And then the reason people are asking me this, though, is because the World Economic Forum named me on a list of so-called young global leaders. They did it despite the fact that I turned down their award. They kept my name on that list despite the fact that I repeatedly asked them to take it off because I did not share their values. I'm an opponent of it. Now, interestingly enough, in terms of being politically nominated for these different positions in the World Economic Forum, you saw a similar instance with Dan Crenshaw, who's a famous, I believe, former, former Navy SEAL and now representative for the great state of Texas. So you had another similar instance where they also named him in one of their reports, but he came out and again, he claimed to us that he never wanted to be involved in the WEF or the WEF, World Economic Forum, and he had nothing to do with them. So, and I don't know, it'd be interesting that if they use that as a political tool to smear some folks. Because again, it's funny, when it comes to the World Economic Forum, you have people on the left who presumably many of them like and believe in having a one entity global government, similar to the UN, and they believe, oh yeah, we could totally, we could totally trust Charles, uh, Mr. Schwab. He has our best interests at heart. And presumably a lot of people believe that. And for them, having an endorsement from the World Economic Forum, that'd be a good thing. But it's similar to the Trump uh, little mugshot, the same thing, but different perspectives. You have people on the right and people who don't think we should have one global, unelected global bureaucracy controlling the world. They think an endorsement from them is radioactive. They don't want that. Fascinating to see the same situation of having an endorsement, completely opposite wants and results. Well, when they refused to do it, you know what I did? I sued them because I believe in taking action. That's the World Economic Forum question. Next popular question we get is, what is my connection with 
George Soros? Answer, none, zero. Indirect, direct, zero connection with George Soros. Why are people asking this question? It's because back in 2010, by the way, long before George Soros had completely fallen off the deep end and gone into these progressive causes. He's famously known for electing district attorneys who actually don't enforce the law. And many people contribute him as to one of the top causes of why liberal cities are just utter hellholes right now, such as San Francisco, Chicago, New York, where you have rampant lawlessness and it's just not getting better anytime soon. So that's, that's one of the things he's, I would say, most famously known for when it comes to the critique around him. And there are many others, but don't get me wrong, that's one of the main ones. Funding these disastrous, toxic prosecutors who are soft on crime, who I've also railed against. Long before then, in 2010, I won a scholarship when I was 24, 25 years old, headed to law school, that was partly funded by, not George Soros, but Paul Soros, who's a relative, a brother of George Soros, who made his money independently, who, by the way, is now dead, that funded hundreds of people. Hundreds of kids won that scholarship. I was one of them to go to graduate school at the age of 24, 25, back when I didn't have a lot of money to do it. And you know what? If I had turned down that scholarship back then, that would have been so foolish that anybody that foolish probably should have no place anywhere near the White House doing trade deals on behalf of this country. Next question I actually got last few days was about a statement that I had made about masks back in early 2020, in the early stages of the pandemic. And here I'll admit it, my anti-government instincts got the better of me. Because I don't know if you all remember this, but back in March, April 2020, when I put that tweet out, which said that we should buy masks based on individual personal responsibility or whatever it was that I said, that was in response to the government, including Fauci and the head of the CDC, laughing at people for buying masks. And Remember when they first told us not to buy them? And then later they admitted, oh yeah, we, we did that because we didn't want there to be a shortage for the hospital workers. I remember that telling people across this country that they shouldn't buy masks. I have inherently libertarian instincts. I'm skeptical of the government. I think the government mostly lies. And so when they were saying don't buy masks, I went the other way and said that, you know what? I was going to say, politically speaking, moves on the political chessboard. He, I think he should keep bringing up libertarian policies because again, libertarians have been disenfranchised for decades. Most of the candidates, to be quite candid, are lackluster to say the least. There are some good ones I've supported in the past, but I think a lot of them, if he can capture, again, when it comes to running for president, you need to have not just the left and the right, can't just have your incumbent who is going to vote for you no matter what, just because you have an R or D next to your name. You need to get those folks in the middle. And some of those folks, libertarian. And some of them, they do choose size during elections. And I think that's going to be a big part of the next election cycle. Who can gather more support from the middle, as well as some of those libertarian folks. If the government's going to tell me not to protect myself, then maybe we should be protecting ourselves. Well, as the facts changed, so did my opinions on it. We quickly learned that masks don't work. The entire time I was against mask mandates and vaccine mandates. In fact, you can take a look at my clip with Tucker in late 2020, when I was one of the early people warning against rolling out the vaccine too quickly and the risks of doing it. But that's where I've been all along. So anyway, keep the questions coming. I think skepticism is good. I think if you want to lead the free world, you better be able to handle the heat. Otherwise, you get out of the kitchen. And you know what? We're going to keep doing this at every step of the way, transparently, openly. That's my job. 
And your job is to keep asking questions. Keep doing it. Stay skeptical. That's what makes the country work. I think this is a, a prudent and brilliant political decision to keep these video engagements up, partially because it's a good differentiator. I'm not seeing other candidates like Nikki Haley, Deron DeSantis, or Trump. I don't see them doing these videos, and I don't see them doing any, these videos anytime soon. Also, it seems to be a good way to humanize him. He's already he's already someone who wasn't a career politician, so he inherently just seems more human and authentic than, again, someone who's been a bureaucrat for you know, 20, 50, 60 plus years of their life. So I think this format video is also clever. It's, it's him just more laid back. He's in his SUV. Although, you know, I'd be more impressed if he was driving a stick shift, you know, you know, three-pedaled, fun sports car. But nevertheless, I know he's probably got a big armored SUV like most of them do. Now, the response is, interesting enough, here are a couple of them go. Sortis SSOT said, quote, a wannabe U.S. president who rides a car without wearing a seatbelt is this free or us? It's against the law. Person got 3,348 views and 34 likes, coming in at a ratio of 1.02%. Now, it looks like he was wearing a seatbelt, but it is, again, I don't know how you, I can't fathom how awkward it is to, like, he had the seatbelt on, I guess, below, but the top was, like, under his armpit. So it was on, albeit it looked like it was ridiculous. It just, yeah, that, it's almost as bad as when Mike Pence pretended to pump gas in his vehicle. Obviously, nothing's as bad or awkward as that bond, that ridiculous boondoggle. Yeah, Mike Pence doesn't know how to pump gas. Or if it is for a legal or compliance reason, you can't be fueling a vehicle because of a safety protocol or filming a video, it, they should not even made the video because it, it was so, it looks so awkward and inauthentic, it, people barely pay attention to what he's saying. Another great example of Mike Pence shooting himself in the foot, politically speaking, he seems to have a talent for that. Now, back to Vivek. You have someone by the name of Matt at LE Network. This person said, quote, how long have you been on Trump payroll, unquote? The person got 1,628 views and 29 likes, coming in at 1.78% like ratio. So that's pretty good. Now, in terms of being on Trump payroll, I think he's saying that because right now he seems to be the only candidate for the Republican nominee who isn't overtly criticizing Trump. Everyone else is either more neutral or they're lambasting him. And Vivek has appropriately endorsed and give compliments to the good things Trump did. Obviously, they weren't all, he didn't have 100% good action, but Vivek is appropriately commenting on the things that he liked about Trump. And I think that's why he's getting a support. Because there are some people who like Trump but are worried he's either going to be legally barred for running for president or he might not get the nominee. Right, with all the data we have now in terms of the favorability in the polls, he's winning by Trump is winning by a long shot. I mean, these polls he's usually 20, 30 points ahead of DeSantis. DeSantis usually coming in at two, Vivek three, and Nikki Haley four on average when you look at most of the polls. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of people are in Trump again. He's actually complimented Vivek, which, if you look at Trump's past, he never compliments people he sees as competitors. So there's a lot of speculation, and he's praised Vivek. Trump has praised Vivek. It seems like Vivek, again, with all the data we have now, it seems like he'd be Trump. It would seem to be a good, prudent decision to be VP. And also, Vivek is from Ohio. So that's a good swing state. And again, when you're choosing a VP, you want them to be from another state that's more of a swing state so you can get, gather, gather that support and really drum up the local support to win those important states. 
So it'll be interesting to see, but back to the comments, you have Alex Lincoln saying, quote, Vivek and RFK, let's go. Or rather, sorry, Vivek versus RFK, let's go. Make elections great again. This person got 1,869 views and 24 likes. So pretty good, coming at a ratio of 1.42%. You also have some by the name of That Stuff AI. Or is it AI, not a person? The only computers know, perhaps. Now, he says, quote, I could care less about the specific, the specific questions, uh, but I really dig what he's doing here, unquote. Now, he got 2,742 views and six likes. So not the best ratio coming in at a 0.2% like ratio. But again, it seems like there's a little people against him. But I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a lot of critique about the specific questions, interestingly enough. These, again, they're critiquing his perhaps lack of ability to know how to put on seatbelt properly. Again, I'm sure he's got, he's really busy. He does more interviews in a day than I think most candidates have done in a year. So I know he's out and about, he's moving all over. Maybe he just didn't put his seatbelt on right that one time. I don't know, that, that was a little unusual. But it'll be interesting to see how he does in polls from here. Other interesting political news, you have National Review claiming Nikki Haley is the only candidate that can beat Biden thanks to a new poll. Really? Hey, what? Huh? So this is from her Twitter team, allegedly. Oh, yeah, presumably. The Twitter handle is at Team Haley. And they claim this from the National Review, quote, Nikki Haley emerged as the only Republican president candidate to beat Presidential Biden in a hypothetical head-to-head matchup by a margin larger than the survey's margin of error, unquote. Now, just from the headline, I can't help but see some parallels between Bud Light. Bud Light, the CEO said, oh yeah, we're, we gained about 15% of our old customers back because a survey about brand perception came back and said, oh yeah, I'd buy Bud Light again. But then you look at the sales figures and every week, it's on average down between 27 and 30% compared to the same fiscal week last calendar year. So people are saying they want to buy Bud Light again, but in practice, no, absolutely not. Now, apparently this poll came in, again, it's from National Review, and this poll is from CNN, which, again, if you're politically right, you don't trust them worth a damn. Well, I'd say most people in the middle don't trust them either, but nevertheless, CNN has a long track record of lying, including changing the skin tone of Joe Rogan to make him look more sick than he really was when he did come down with COVID, as well as changing the definition of drugs to make it look... They make their political enemies look as bad as possible, intellectually, morally. They do everything they can. Now, interestingly enough, this poll, again, from CNN slash SSRS poll, and they claim that Haley leads Biden by 49% to 43%. And it kept, the outside poll accounted for a 3.5% margin of error. Now, they also claim that, you know, meanwhile, former, and this again is quote, meanwhile, former President Donald Trump holds a razor thin lead over Biden, 47% versus 46%, which maybe. And then, while Florida Governor Ron DeSantis um, are tied at 47%, where was this poll taken? Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Tom Scott. Both led Biden 46% to 44%. I don't know. I I have yet to see anyone proud to vote for Mike Pence. What what on earth? 
Then they say Vivek Ramaswamy was the only candidate in the poll to be defeated by a hypothetical matchup against Biden, with the president winning 46% and him having 45%. And they claim Mrs. Haley's support is due to having a, received a broader support among white voters with college degrees. She won support 51% of that group, while the other Republicans pulled in at 48% or less of that vote. Which, I mean, not Cuban, but I got a degree and I don't, I don't like her because of some of her policies. And <laughs> uh, the, this is from our spokesperson. They said, quote, Nikki, Nikki Haley is our only hope in taking back the White House, unquote. This is important to your spokesperson, Ken Faresno, which they posted on X. Which, and another poll says she's tied with DeSantis at 10%, which... Again, I would believe, in terms of, like, you look at social media, you look at the, the aggregators where they look at many polls together, I think she's closer to DeSantis. But again, in terms of who's getting the Republican nominee, which, again, is a different story, a different poll in and of itself, she doesn't have the support yet. And again, polls change. They'll have different policies. They'll say some different things. They'll increase, go down in polls. But right now, Trump has, still has that huge lead in the Republican primary polls where they're asking people, who do you want a nominee who do you want to nominate, rather, to be the Republican candidate for the next election cycle? So, this looks like the poll had to be one-on-one. -on -one, but, just anecdotally speaking, even before we dive into the... Where is this? You gotta love when they don't give you the... Where's the bloody poll? Poll. So CNN has a poll. Let's see here. I just want to sample size. Aha, here's the juicy data. This, Jesus. Yeah, this document is several, is a quite long survey. Now it looks like, thanks to the good old control F, you can find stuff quicker. It looks like the surveys were obtained August 25th to August 31st, 2023 with a sample size of 1,503 respondents. Looks like they're 18 years older. Okay, uh, no effect economic income, about different policies. Okay, so that gives us a little data. And again, you gotta love it when they hide that deep. So that wasn't even in the article. I had to go to the other separate website. They actually had the raw data of that poll. You gotta love when they have a lack of transparency. So. Not the largest sample size. And again, I wish they would break it down by geography. Because again, there are a lot of nuances with polls, but I, again, right now with all the data we have, I don't, I mean, if it were to be one-on-one -on -one against Biden, I don't, because she has alienated some Republicans, but they're all Republicans who do vote just based on that R next to the person's name. Just like there's some Democrats who vote just because there's a D by the person's name. So she might, but again, diving in the poll, it's a smaller sample size. But let me know in the comments, do you think she will, one, win the nominee, which I know is a separate topic in and of itself, but two, do you think she could beat Biden? And do you think the odds of her beating Biden are greater than Trump, DeSantis, Vivek, even Mike Pence, Tim, Tim Scott, all, all these folks? With all the data we have now, I would say they all, I, I would say not so much. And again, it might be, it is one of those fascinating things where not all candidates are viral on social media. I think one of the best examples is Ted Cruz. Most of the social media responses I see about Ted Cruz are 
usually pejorative and negative. On social media, he, he has a large audience. There are a lot of people who follow him, but a lot of the comments are pretty darn negative. But he keeps getting, he, he's, get, he's successfully gotten elected. It, so it's one of those weird things where, again, maybe the demographics of the people who support Nikki Haley are similar to Ted, or maybe they're not on social media, or they're on it less. But when I'm looking at Nikki Haley's social media and I'm looking at the interactions, there's there's just not that much support. And proof in point, look at the reactions for this. So Nikki Haley's team tweeted this, which this should be huge news. It should be revolutionary. Nikki Haley has potential. Look at this survey we came up with. It should go viral, some might say. It's a headliner story. Although, ironically, this is the last story of the political section of the show, so shows my priorities perhaps subconsciously. Now, that only got 30.1 thousand views, which is nothing. We just talked about Vivek a couple minutes ago. He got 680,000 views. And his was in, what was the time frame for it? In him, it's the same time frame. So in one day, in one post, Vivek got 682,000 views for it, something he released. And Nikki Haley got 30,100. And she got 491 likes. So not, not the best ratio to say the least. Now the top responses were actually pejorative. Now you have John Antello saying, quote, the elites have found their Jeb Bush of 2024. Good luck with that. Now, even that didn't get a lot of views, but it's the top, one of the top. So you got 54 views and four likes, which we could probably beat that in this video. Just take the time to like and comment and subscribe. Try to get to, again, 4,000 by then September. I know it's, ambitious to get, get that many subscribers, but I think we can do it together. Now, that's a 1.63% ratio for Mr. John Intel. You also have someone by the name of Filthy Heaton Kirk, which I can only assume is a reference to Captain Kirk from Star Wars. Kidding. I know it's Star Trek or Galactica. Kidding. I know it's Star Trek. Now, he says, quote, John McCain had the greatest lead over Obama around this time in the 2008 election cycle. How did that turn out? Unquote. You got 107 views and three likes, which again, take the time to like this video. We'll beat that like ratio. He got 2.7% like ratio. So again, again, those are the top responses. And again, this is not directly from Nikki Haley. This is from her re-election, no, I was gonna say re-election. It's from her campaign staff, the team Haley, but still it's one of those instances where, I mean, I mean, team Haley has 108,000 followers. But it's interesting to see in terms of the ratio, they, they did not win. But will she, do, let me know in the comments, do you think she has a shot? I mean, it is still early in the game, but uh, needless to say, I'm a little skeptical of this particular poll, a little bit more so than usual. But who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Time shall tell. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Cash App and Square having an outage, which again, in IT, and services these days is pretty much unacceptable when you have things like Amazon Web Services, which nearly never goes down. And I don't know, this may very well be built on the back end of their infrastructure. But last week, you had both of them with widespread outages. Now, it looks like users of the mobile payment app reached out wanting to know why they were unable to log in or even get their money. Now, Cash App asked for patience as they investigate and is telling users not to make peer-to-peer -peer payments, cash card purchases, or log out of their accounts. Now, of course, in perfect political speak, the company said, quote, we are running, we are currently experiencing issues with multiple square services. We understand how important it is for your business that our services be up and running, and we are actively working towards a fix, unquote. 
Yeah. I swear, sometimes it's the, the people that work in PR, they got to have a side job where they work with politicians as well because there are a lot of parallels between these company statements when things go wrong. Now, in terms of supporting a local business, give them cash because it's king. Every time you do a credit card transaction, it's like between 2 and 3% charge that they either eat or they built into the cost of the product. Which is why from some mom and pop shops, they sometimes have different rates for products if it's a credit card transaction versus a cash transaction. But this is just yet another good example of cash being king, with the exception of the US government printing more money than they ever printed before, thereby causing inflation. Thanks, government. But overall, it's very convenient. It's quick, great way to support local businesses. So there's a lot of upside to it, and I would hope people keep supporting cash so it's never taken away from us. But we'll be, it'll be interesting to, interesting to sing. But yeah, to, imagine how many businesses are just crippled because of this. They can't perform sales, which in business, that's the obviously the lifeblood of the business. You have to make a profit. You have to make sales. And if you were all in, if your whole business was built on using the Square app or the Cash app, and all of a sudden your one area doesn't work, that that's not good news. And for them to have an outage with such a critical product, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September, so if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, taking the time to like and comment greatly help out the video with the algorithm. Feedback is always appreciated. love hearing about your experiences, how you can make the show better together. Also, and lastly, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.